You're listening to Give Your Life Away, a devotional podcast from Canyon Bible Church of Prescott designed to equip you with the truth of God's Word and encourage you in the pursuit of ascribing glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to the Give Your Life Away podcast. Last week, I talked about the importance of being accountable to others as a member of your local church. I encouraged you to be open to rebukes if and when they come your way. This is one of the ways that God uses to get us to sin less and less by using other people to point out those sins in our life. And, and I encourage you to be open to those things, not to kick against them, not to, not to go back after the person who brought the rebuke, not to defend to the death, but, but simply to hear what they say and let that word uh, get into your heart and get into your mind and to, and to go before the Lord and to ask if there's anything true in that and to own it and confess it. I talked about the importance of that in the New Testament. And so today I want to talk about really kind of the opposite of that. I want to talk today about how to bring a rebuke appropriately. How to bring a rebuke appropriately. Because if we are to receive rebukes, according to the New Testament, we're also to give them sometimes, according to the New Testament. We're told that in Colossians 3. Uh, the, the Proverbs even speak of uh, faithful being the wounds of a friend. We might have to wound our friends sometime. We might have to bring them truth that isn't easy for them to hear, but it's important for them to hear. So this is a reality that the Holy Spirit has given his church to, in which to grow. He, he's, he's given us the gift of rebuke uh, for our own edification. And so sometimes you might be the on the end, the receiving end of a rebuke, and sometimes you might in fact, be the person bringing the rebuke. So how do you do that well? Well, today I'd like to give you some thoughts on how to bring a rebuke appropriately. I'll give you nine thoughts, and these are going to be quick, kind of rapid fire. First, seek to cover the sin in love. Not every single sin has to be dealt with with a rebuke. Is this sin that is being done a pattern in someone's life? Is it damaging other people? Is it damaging the reputation of Jesus? Is it damaging the reputation of his people? There are a number of reasons to actually engage in a rebuke, to, to bring a correction to someone, reproof to someone. But there are also a lot of people who maybe do that too fast. Can this sin be covered in love? That's, again, a biblical reality that we can cover certain sins in love. We don't have to bring up everything. We can be patient. We can forgive them. We, we can overlook it quickly. Not every sin needs to be publicly dealt with or even privately in a one-on-one setting dealt with. So, so does this sin need to be rebuked or can I cover it in love? That's a good first question to ask. Secondly, here's another way to rebuke appropriately, rebuke actual sin. Now, this is a, another big deal. A lot of people will go around rebuking perceived sins when in fact maybe the person that's doing the thing isn't actually sitting. So rebuke sin. D- don't rebuke what you might think is sin. Don't rebuke a lack of wisdom in most cases. Sometimes people just don't make the best choices. It doesn't mean they're sinning. It just might mean that they're unwise. We should be slower to rebuke those things or to correct those things than we are to rebuke sin. Sin needs to be dealt with, but what needs to be dealt with is actual sin. So I've got other thoughts on 
how to bring someone wisdom or how to point out a lack of wisdom, how to draw them out, how to get them to, to seek wisdom. But that's for another podcast, another time. But when we rebuke people, we've got to rebuke actual sin, not just people who don't do something or do something that we don't like that's not actual sin, but we need to actually rebuke sin. So third, get the log out of your own eye. So first, seek to cover the sin in love. Secondly, rebuke actual sin. And third, get the log out of your own eye. You can find this in Matthew 7. As you're going to go and bring a judgment against someone or rebuke, that's the idea of it, when you're going to go and bring a rebuke or point out an error, first you look at your own eye and realize, hey, there's a whole log in my eye when I'm going to look at pointing at, point out the speck in their eye. So get the log out of your own eye. Is there any way that I do something similar? So I'm going to rebuke this person for... X, Y, or Z, whatever it is I'm going to rebuke them for. Ask yourself, is there any way that I do something that's generally similar? Maybe it's not the exact same thing. Well, I would never steal $157 from that place. Well, is there any other way that you steal? Have you plagiarized on a school paper? Have you passed along something that wasn't yours and taken the credit for it? Is there, search your heart and mind, is there any way that I do things that are similar? Maybe that person might have stolen because they were in a serious need. It's not an excuse to steal. But have you ever had a serious need and compromised to get what you need? So really do a good job of examining your heart and bring that before the Lord and confess it before you go and seek to remove the speck out of your brother or sister's eye. So first, seek to cover the sin in love. Second, rebuke actual sin. Third, get the log out of your own eye. Fourth, don't assume that you know everything. A good way of bringing rebuke to someone is saying something like, it appears to me that you were stealing money in that office that day. Is that what was happening? Because what if you see someone take money out of an envelope in an office and you think, ah, automatic stealing, I'm going to go to them, I've prayed about it, I'm going to rebuke them, they're stealing from that office or that, that group or that company or that church, whatever it was, when in reality, someone in control of that money said, hey, go and grab the $20 out of that envelope. Maybe it wasn't actually stealing. It just might have looked like it to you. So go in asking questions. Again, the Lord is the searcher of hearts. You don't have to know everything like a detective would. The Lord will will search their hearts. If, if you say, was that stealing? And they say no, when in fact it was. The Lord will deal with them. So I'm just saying, don't assume that you know everything. We kind of talk about this in our family. When, when someone is apparently in the wrong, we always say, well, we've got to get the other side of the story. Sometimes things that look so obvious to us, that person is so wrong in what they did. When we hear the full story or their side, we go, oh, they actually didn't do anything wrong at all, but it sure looked like it. So what I'm saying is don't assume that you know everything. Fifth, have the right goal. When we bring a rebuke to a person, the goal is their Christ-likeness. The goal is that they would look more and more like Christ, not more and more like Satan. The goal, another goal, is the purity and the testimony of the church. We bring rebuke to people so that the church is pure and the testimony of the church isn't tarnished. Those are good goals, not being vindicated, not getting back at them for something they did wrong to you. The Lord is the one who will judge. Vengeance is mine. I will judge, declares the Lord, Romans 12. 
So the right goal for rebuking isn't because you were wronged and you want to get back at them and give them a piece of your mind. That is not the goal of a rebuke. The goal is their Christ-likeness, the purity and testimony of Christ and his church. Sixth, don't assume that you know their motive. When you go to someone and you think, you know, when they teach the word, I think they're showing off and I think they're trying to elevate themselves. Don't go to a person and say, listen, when you're teaching, you're just trying to show off and elevate yourself. You don't actually know that. We don't know what's in a heart. So don't assume that you know the motive. So if you are concerned that someone is teaching in a way that really shines the spotlight on them instead of Christ, go in asking questions. You know, hey, do you ever think that maybe sometimes when you teach, um, you kind of take the focus off of Christ and put it onto yourself? Maybe the person says, oh, I never thought of that. That wasn't my intent. If if I'm doing that, I want to know, is that what it looks like to you? Well, sometimes it kind of does look like that to me. Thank you for telling me. Don't go in saying, I know this is what you're trying to do. We don't know the motive of the hearts. We don't even know the motive of our hearts all the time. So, so don't assume that you know the motive as to why people are doing what they're doing. There are times when, when you see someone doing something wrong. Again, back to our first example. If you see someone stealing and you, you talk to them and, and it's clear that that was stealing, don't, don't assume that you know the motive of the heart, but you are seeing something that's wrong. When you see someone strike another person, you saw what you saw. It's fact. You're a witness. But, but don't rebuke motives. We don't always know the motives. So six, don't assume you know the motive. Seven, be wise. When you admonish someone, when, re, when you rebuke someone, be wise. This is, after all, the command in Colossians 3. Speaking the truth to one another, rebuking one another, admonishing one another, it says, with all wisdom. So admonish one another with all wisdom. We've got to be wise in how we do this. Some people think that just because they bring a rebuke to someone, they're doing the righteous thing. Well, not always. Sometimes they're doing it in a very unwise way. So consider when you're doing it. Did they have a family member that just died? And you're choosing the very next day to bring rebuke because I've got to say this right now. Well, maybe you don't have to say it right then and there. Maybe you can be patient. Maybe you can trust the Lord for the right timing. Maybe you can seek to care for them and care for their emotions before you bring this rebuke and wait for the right time. So consider when you're bringing a rebuke. Consider where you bring a rebuke. Out in a public place where other people can hear is inappropriate. Before a group of people in a setting that doesn't need to be public. Just consider wisdom. Seek to look out. uh, Seek to rebuke them as a means of help not as a means of um, public humiliation. So think about when you're saying this. Think about how you're saying it. If you come up to them and say, we need to talk, and you've got an immediate frown, and and you just start going off on them, there's probably a different way to do that. So a rebuke is, is something that is done carefully, thoughtfully, wisely. The Proverbs say, sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. So I would argue that part of being part of wisely rebuking is even the tone at which you're bringing the rebuke. It's a soft tone. You're trying to convince them. You're trying to show them. You're not, you're not just yelling at them. So so be wise in how you bring a rebuke. Eighth, show them what to put on. 
clearly if you're bringing a rebuke to them, they've done something wrong. They've apparently done something wrong. And once you come to the conclusion that, yes, it was wrong and, and it's known to be wrong, show them what the opposite of that is. After all, the goal is not just them not sinning. The goal is them being righteous, both of you being righteous. So show them what to, in the words of Ephesians and Colossians, show them what to put on, not just what to put off. Holiness is, isn't just about not sinning, but it's also about walking in righteousness. So encourage them in the right way to live. Think about Zacchaeus, tax collector, cheating other people out of their money. And so he said this, when he repented, he said, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll pay them back four times as much. That, that's a repentant heart. He's going to pay back, make right what he did wrong. But then he said, and Lord, half of my possessions, half of my money, I'll give to the poor. That's not repentance so much as that's a new way of living. So Zacchaeus went from being a selfish man to a generous man. So when you rebuke someone and what they've done was stolen money, let's say, let's just stick with that example. If they've stolen money, you can show them, okay, you took from people now, brother, sister, be known for giving to people like Christ gave himself to people or for people. So, so show them the opposite, godly, Christ-like characteristic. That is the full picture of sanctification. It's not just you shouldn't have stolen. It's you shouldn't have stolen and taken from people, but you should be generous. Let's talk about your generosity. Let's talk about caring about people's needs and giving to them. So give them the full picture. Ninth and finally, let me go through these one more time. First, seek to cover their sin in love. Two, rebuke actual sin. Third, get the log out of your own eye. Fourth, don't assume that you know everything. Fifth, have the right goal. Sixth, don't assume you know the motive. Seventh, be wise. Eight, show them what to put on. Ninth, speak to them as a fellow sinner and brother or sister. Speak to them as a fellow sinner and a brother or sister. They are your brother and sister. Speak to them that way. You're also a sinner with them. You will be bringing them a rebuke and you might tell them, and you know what? Soon you might have an opportunity to say the same thing back to me, brother, sister, or something, you point out something wrong that I've done. So that's what I'm doing here. I'm not the only one that brings the rebukes, and you're always the one to receive them. This is a back and forth. You help me, I help you. So speak to them that way. Speak to them as a fellow sinner. You are both kneeling at the foot of the cross. You're both kneeling at the foot of the cross. So speak to them like that. You're not the judge. God is the judge. You're the brother or sister. It's to give an analogy. You're the brother or sister who's pointing out your sibling's error before dad comes home. You're not the one who's going to do the discipline. You're not going to want the one that's going to do the, the correction, the ultimate correction, the ultimate, the ultimate giving out the consequences for their sin. You're not the one that does that. God does that. But you're trying to warn them. Admonishment, that, that passage we've looked at in Colossians 3, to admonish someone with all wisdom, to admonish them is to warn them. Hey, dad's coming home. You're doing something you shouldn't do. Let's do the right thing. Do the right thing. And when he comes home, allow him to forgive you for what you've done wrong and to bless you for doing the right thing. Dad's coming home. Our dad loves us. I'm just seeking to be your brother or sister. I'm the messenger. I'm not the judge. So speak to them as a fellow, fellow sinner and as a brother or sister in Christ, not as God the judge. God is the judge. Christ is the judge, not us. We're simply 
a fellow sinner trying to help another fellow sinner before the judge comes home. I hope this helps you to avoid rebuking others unwisely and inappropriately. And I hope that this podcast would give you confidence to appropriately and lovingly help someone in the church in the future when it's necessary, when it's called for. This isn't an easy subject, I get it. But it is something that Christians must do at times as they follow their master and continue to give their lives entirely to him. If you've been encouraged by the Give Your Life Away podcast, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you'll find us online at canyonprescott.org. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for Give Your Life Away. We are alive.